0: God, you're making all things new. And I I look at our church. You've begun a new work in the way that we even do church. And it's different, but God, you're still with us. You're still manifesting your presence. Wherever we are, you are there. We couldn't escape you. And God, this is different. I think of the Israelites. I think of the church of Acts where things just didn't turn out exactly how they anticipated or even how they wanted them to be. But God, you use them. You use those events to draw people closer to you, to change people's lives. God, I just pray that you use the events that are taking place in our world right at this time to really change the church, to make it be how you want it to be. Make us new, make us fresh. Give a passion to the church to go out and reach its neighbors like never before. We pray this all in the strong, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Thanks again for joining us today. You may be joining us at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. It could be 9 o'clock on Sunday night. It could be Monday. I'm just delighted that you're joining us. I want you to know, obviously, that there are a lot of people doing it every week, naturally because the only online format, but there are a lot of people that I've heard from who are calling somebody else in another state or another area. To say, I'm not sure if you're having a service or a few folks have one available to you, but this is our website. We love to have you tune in. And we keep having more and more people from other places who aren't necessarily a part of our church family, who are watching our services as well. So we're just honored that you're here, delighted that you're a part of our family here. Obviously, I want to remind you to go to butlercac.org. Our website gives you all the resources, up-to-date information. I'd love for you to stay with us just for a few moments after the closing prayer this morning. Our youth pastor, Evan Miranda, is going to share some information so that it will also give you all the details about where you can find some updated information, our blogs, and all of those things that we're sharing. Now, if you've been a part of our series in the last few weeks, we're finishing up a journey that we've been on in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Peter's trying to prepare this brand new group of believers for the uncertainties of life. One of the reasons that I felt it was so important for us to stay in this series because we're living in a context of time where everything seems uncertain. All the things that we thought we knew or could know or would happen or maybe would happen, now has happened in ways we could have never predicted. Peter is writing to a group of people living in that uncertainty of life. And he gives them some incredible information over the last couple of weeks. So go back to our website. Every sermon in this series is on that. Do you remember what it was like raising children? Some of you are still in that stage. Some of you are glad you're out of it. When almost everything you told them, they ask you why. Why can't I stay up tonight? Why can't I watch that movie? Why can't I watch that television show? Why can't I have an iPhone? Why do I have to eat all my veggies? Why can't I stay up late like my friends do? Those are legitimate questions. They are important to them. They may not seem that important to us, but to a child, they're pretty important questions. And none of them deserve the answer because I said so. They want an answer. Peter, in these first few verses of this section of Scripture, has been giving them a lot of reasons, things they need to do. And then, kind of like a spiritual father, he goes into this mode of, I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why it's so important to commit your faith to Christ. I want to tell you why it's so important that you grow in your faith. I want to tell you why it's so important that you add these things to your journey. You and I need to remember when Peter's writing this, he's not writing to a large church, a church of millions or thousands around the globe. He's writing a letter. He's writing about his relationship with Jesus and what he found was so important. And he's sending it out. And most of the people that are hearing his words are in a home. Not a lot of churches around that they're attending. A lot of them are in small house churches. A lot of them are in their homes. And they're hearing this kind of incredible advice on this brand new journey called Christianity in extremely uncertain times. Couldn't even imagine that Peter is writing 2,000 years ago to us here we are in 2020 and most of us are in our homes. Listening to these words of advice, trying to understand How do they apply to me? And I think they're incredibly applicable to where we are in life. Peter's been telling them the what's. He's been saying, this is what God has promised. Everything you need for life and godliness in verse 3. The opportunity to participate in the nature of God. In verse 5, he goes on to tell us what we need to do. Make every effort. We've been saved by grace, not by works. But after salvation, after we take that journey of committing our lives to Jesus, we're told by Peter and Paul both, work out our salvation. Grow in our faith. Practice discipline. Take responsibility for our spiritual development. Don't blame other people for our lack of maturity. And then in this section of Scripture here in Second Peter, he goes on to tell us what we need to do to add to our faith. He said, add goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance, godliness, Brotherly kindness and genuine love, all the things we talked about last week. You want a challenge in your spiritual life and growth? Work hard at these things because they will take work. They'll take a lot of work, but it's always worth the effort. And now in verse 8, he just begins to tell them why. Why it's so important that we take advantage of everything God has provided for us and promised us? And why it's so important that we grow in our faith? Our purpose statement here at Community Alliance Church talks about coming to faith in Christ. That's the beginning. And then it talks about growing in wisdom. That's the journey. And then we talk about being intentional in relationships and service. Those are some of the results. In verses 5 to 7, Peter gives some great qualities in that growing process. And now in verse 8, he begins to tell them why. Second Peter, I hope you have a Bible at home somewhere. You've opened it up. You're looking in the word, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, For if you possess these qualities, everything he said, and then some, in increasing measure, which means it's constantly growing, all of that will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If anyone doesn't do them, they're nearsighted and blind. They've forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, so if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm always going to remind you of those things. Even though I know you know them and I know you're firmly established in the truth that you have. I think it's right for me to do that. I think it's right for me to do that. As long as I live in this body. Look again at verse 8. To keep you from being unproductive. I want you to add these things. Verse 10. To keep you from falling. I want you to do these things. Verse 11, so that you finish well, I want you to do these things. You want to know what God expects of you and I? Here it is. With every amount of love and tenderness that you can imagine, you have to see God saying it that way. God says, you want grace? I will give it to you. You want love? I'll pour it out to you. You want forgiveness? You have it. You come to me and ask me to forgive you. I will do that. I will not only forgive you, I will never remind you of it again i it as far away as the east is from the west. I will never, ever bring it up to you again. You want a future? You've got it. I've got one that no eye has ever seen. No mind can even imagine what I have prepared for you. You want heaven? What is in store for you will blow you away. God says you're forgiven. You and I have a brand new start. The slate is wiped clean. But in order to stay on track and get there when life is over, there are some things that you've got to do. Stay the course. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. There's not a parent alive who doesn't want to see their children grow up, who doesn't want to see them mature, who doesn't want to see them become everything they were designed to become. So does Peter, a spiritual father. So does Paul, the spiritual father in the New Testament. So does the God of the universe who calls us, who embrace him as Savior, sons and daughters. He wants us to mature in the faith. And here, in this case, we have some of the pieces of the why it's so important that we do all of this. Verse 8, if you possess these things, it'll keep you from being unproductive. But if you don't, you are nearsighted. He uses that phrase nearsighted and blind usually means short-sighted. It essentially says you're just not looking down the road far enough. You're not able to see what's ahead. Every moral failure is committed by someone who either failed to see the consequences of their actions or they didn't care. Peter reminds them of where they've come from at the end of verse nine. If you don't do these things, you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. When you and I come to faith in Christ, we walk away from our past. We turn away. It's what the word repent means. I was doing my own thing, walking my own path. And when I come to faith in God, I walk away from that and I walk toward him. I make a declaration. I'm not going back there. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm not going back. I'm not going to do what I used to do. I'm going to continue to walk this way. Peter now infers that if you don't keep the promises, if you don't stay on course, if you don't embrace these things, if you don't act on these things, Somehow you've forgotten about your commitment to him to begin with. Almost every marriage I know goes through some difficult times. And every once in a while, I have someone say to me, I feel like giving up. I'm not sure if I want to go on. And when I have the opportunity to speak into their lives, I ask them questions like this. Do you remember what it was like when you fell in love? Do you remember what it was like when you first got married? Do you Remember what it was like when you stood before someone and they ask you, you're gonna to stay together no matter what, for better for worse, for richer for poor, and sickness and in health. And you said, Yeah, I, I will do that. I will do that. Do you now not remember that? Do you want to quit? Remember what you said you would do? This is the worst. But you promised that you'd stay together now. Work hard at doing what you need to do. When we come to faith in Christ and things get tough or sin comes our way and tempts us, or maybe even if we get lazy in our spiritual disciplines, we've got to ask ourselves, did I really mean it when I committed my life to Jesus, when I embraced him as Savior, when I gave my life over to him? In verse 10, he goes on. He basically says, our lifestyle and our growth will verify our commitment to Christ. And it will not only verify our commitment to Christ as we continue to grow, it'll keep us steady, secure, and solid, even when we're on a very uncertain path. And believe me, we're on one now. I don't know if you've ever seen a horse out in the western Colorado, Montana area that's going up a mountain. They're usually going on switchbacks, back and forth. They can't go this way, so they go back and forth to get to the top. Remember, it was like the first time I went to Colorado, and I had the dream of a lifetime to get on a horse with some great friends and work our way up a mountain, and it was switchbacks back and forth. If you look down over the edge, you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt you did not want to fall, and you did not want that horse to stumble and fall. Because you wouldn't fall just a foot or two. You would fall hundreds of feet, most likely to your death. Look at the promises of God here in verse 10. If you do these things, everything he's been saying up to this point, commit our lives to Christ, grow in our faith, continue to add these things, you will never fall. You talk about incentive to do the work that he tells us to do in these previous verses, never fall, no wonder he wants us to do these things. Now, notice it doesn't ever say never fail, never sin, or never stumble. James is honest enough to say we all stumble, we all do. Peter said never fail referring to falling off the path that leads to our final destination. Now, that is a promise. You talk about the promises of God, that's incredible. That horse that's on that path may stumble, but you don't want them to fall. So often in Scripture, though, you've got to remember that every promise has a condition, and the condition here is if you do these things, you will never fall. If we're honest, we usually trip up or stumble when we're not paying attention to where we're going. It's like texting and walking. You're either going to run into somebody, you're going to bump into somebody. I do it. You're maybe just looking at a text or looking at something on your phone, not necessarily texting back and forth, but almost every single time you act like there's no one else around you, I've act like there's no one else around me and I may stumble or fall. One of the reasons that Peter tells us to be very aware of the circumstance around us in the first chapter is we've got an enemy who's watching when we're not alert or paying attention as well. And he's going to take advantage of that and eventually destroy us if we're not careful. Hebrews chapter 11, Paul said, you've got to understand, there's a lot of people who have gone through incredibly challenging times. I've been giving you and our staff and our blogs have been giving you a a lot of different information about some of the things that God is teaching us. One of the most amazing chapters in all of scripture is Hebrews chapter 11. You want some study this week? Read Hebrews chapter 11. And it will remind you that a lot of people before us have gone through unbelievably difficult times. That's why I said we've got to remember there's other people who have gone through some really deep waters. So in light of that, we've got to make sure that we do everything we can to throw off the things that are going to keep us from walking this path all the way to the end, run with everything we have, get rid of all the junk that holds us back, run with perseverance, which means I stay the course. i got to fix my eyes on Jesus, (laughs) not on my circumstances, not on my uncertainty, not on my fears, but on Jesus, who was the perfecter, the beginner, the author of our faith, who will walk us through all the way to the end. And then look at what Peter does here in verse 11. And you and I will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The image that Peter writes about, a lot of commentators believe, is that Olympic arena setting where people from all around the world gathered and you. I the opportunity to walk up that podium and to that podium. And most of the time, it was the image of going up a long set of stairs until I get to the top and I receive that reward that i worked so hard for during that time. That's the image that Peter is trying to help us understand here. Now, he's contrasting two different philosophies of spirituality or spiritual truth. One is this. I have to do this. I better read the Bible. I really should share my faith. I have to go to church. I better love people. I better be good. In other words, some people view God like Santa Claus. He knows when I've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Instead of this, that Peter is trying to help us understand. God, I just want to thank you for everything you've done for me. I get to be a part of your family. I get to be called when I embrace you as Savior, a son or a daughter of the living God. Thank you for your word. I can't wait to see what you're going to teach me. I've had a lot of time during these weeks to be in the word, and it's amazing the things that you have written down in there. I didn't know was there. Can't wait to find some new truth. After all the love you've shown me, how awesome it is that I get to share it with other people. Lord, it's been so exciting to get victory over the things that used to drag me down. I just want to thank you for that. Father, I can't believe that when this life is all over, I get to see you face to face. I get to see my loved ones who have gone on before me face to face. God, I want to stay on this journey so that when it's all said and done, I can hear you say, welcome home, well done, good and faithful servant. Come enjoy everything I have prepared for you. Think about the difference that makes in our motivation, our lifestyle, our view of God and our spiritual pursuits. Instead of I have to, I should, I'm supposed to, I get to. It's amazing what God has done. I can't wait to see what the future holds. A few days ago, I happened to see somewhere on the internet or on Instagram, a number of celebrities were singing the old song of John Lennon, Imagine John Lennon from the Beatles, supposedly as a way to maybe help people get through a tough time. The sad part is what they were saying about the song and the song itself. Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's no religion how could that ever bring anyone any comfort at all? When God clearly gives us a portrait of the future that is unbelievably solid and secure and I know is there. I don't have to wish for heaven, hope there's a heaven, hope there is somewhere I go when it's all said and done. I know there's a heaven. I know there's a future. I know there's a hope. And God gives it to us over and over and over again in his word. You and I have good news. That's why all of the scripture is called good news, and you and I get to share that good news. One of the closest friends of Jesus was the Apostle John. He was there in that setting before Jesus went to the cross, and he heard Jesus, who knew they were kind of uncertain about the future, said, Look, I've got a peace that the world can't give. I've got a future that is amazing. I'm not going to be here personally, I'm going to leave and Go back, and I'm going to come back and get you and take you there. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas, one of those few disciples, said, Lord, how do we know the way? And where are you going? And Jesus gave the answer to life in John 14, 6. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God but through me. That same disciple had a glimpse of the future. And as only God could have it, he writes about it. He writes about it, especially in the book of Revelation. And near the end, he said, I heard sounds that I couldn't believe. Like the roar of a great multitude shouting, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. I heard what sounded like a great multitude a rushing waters, a loud peals of thunder that were shouting, hallelujah, for the Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. And then I saw it. A new heaven and a new earth. First heaven, the first earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem from God coming down out of heaven. I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will be with us. They'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain in a world that's dealing with that every single day and sometimes every single hour, that is one of the most unbelievable promises of the future, which is why I want to stay the course, which is why I want to stay faithful, which is why I want to add all this, which is why I want to stay consistent in my journey with God, which is why I want to hold on to him with everything I've got in the middle of an extremely uncertain world. I want to hold on to him. It's true. It's true. Write it down, he said. I am the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. To anyone who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cause all of this. He that overcomes, she that overcomes will inherit all of this. I will be their God and they will be my child. I can't wait for that day. I have no idea when it's going to be. None of us do. We all think we know. We all thought we knew. Now life is extremely uncertain and unpredictable. But everything in this book, everything in the word of God is true. And I can't wait for that day when I see him face to face and hear him say, well done.